Welcome to the Age Reversing Blueprint Podcast, where we discuss tools and tips to help you reverse your age naturally. One of the things that's different from ourselves from a lot of other people's is that if you are not interested at all in genetics and you only want information about what your risk is and what you can do about it, our reports are tailored for that. You can go, okay, what's my risk of having an issue of this genetically? And what are the recommendations that are more likely to help in order of how much they'll help me based on my genetics? There is a page where we list all the SNPs, all the genes and all the variants that you have, but someone could just scroll past and go straight to the practical stuff. The types of reports, number one is health risks. Number two, uh, I would say is health types. So this is not where it's necessarily a risk, but... For instance, the carbohydrate report is very popular. You know, some people do very well with low carbohydrate because they have more hunter-gatherer genes. Some people do very well with high carbohydrate because they have more farmer genes. We have toxin reports like lead and mercury. There are allergy intolerance and sensitivity reports that will tell you, you know, your chance of having each of those. I think so, you know, with the obvious ones like gluten and lactose, but we also have more interesting ones, I'd say, like histamine and oxalates. And we also have nutrient ones. So Every vitamin, every important mineral, every important amino acid, every important types of fat, you know, GLA, ALA, DHA, EPA, et cetera. Within the recommendations, we offer like a score for research support and a score for impact. So meaning generally the highest re recommended ones are the ones that have been shown with evidence to have the most impact and the most research behind them. All right, welcome back to another edition, guys. And I'm really excited to interview Elwin Robinson. He is the founder of Genetic Insights and founder of Feel Younger. And his goal is to empower committed and self-responsible people with the science-based tools they need to feel younger and improve their health. Elwin first became interested in health and anti-aging because his own experiences and the many health challenges throughout his own life, including chronic fatigue, chronic pain, malnutrition, hypothyroidism, IBS, and reoccurring infections such as SIBO, candida, and sinusitis, uh, which made him feel way older than he actually was. And when conventional medicine practitioners weren't unable to help him set all of this out in desperation, he had to look within and, and figure it out on his own. So that's what we're going to be talking to him about today is his health journey, how he improved his own health, and eventually resolved his own issues in a lifelong interest in health, energy, and wellness, and the companies that he's founded to help other people with the same problems. Alwyn, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for having me, Joel. It's a pleasure. Yeah. So, uh, I, you know, I'm really excited to compare your journey and my journey um, as it relates to what you do now with the genetic insights and how to feel younger. Um, perhaps maybe you can just give us the the Cliff Notes version of, at the worst, what it was like for you uh, when you were suffering with your own health challenges. Uh, yeah, sure. So, you know, most recently, and that's really what led to the founding of those two companies that you mentioned. So I'll, I'll start at that point. Um, I'd been doing well for a long time after having health issues earlier, and I thought I'd been doing great. So long as I avoided certain foods, I was on top of the world, you know, plenty of energy. And you know, I'd gone from, you know, kind of doing minimum wage jobs in my 20s to be able to start several businesses and travel the world and all of that kind of cool stuff, right? I was enjoying life. And then suddenly, 
I got struck down with this uh, pain condition where I kept having pain around my midsection and no one was able to work out what it was. Um, I had, you know, CT scan, MRI, uh, blood tests, all of that kind of, you know, typical stuff. And then all kinds of other practitioners as well, functional medicine, naturopath, acupuncturist, chiropractor, osteopath. I mean, you know, the list goes on and on and on, all trying to work out what was going on. I had, you know, a few different theories, but no one was really able to help. Um, and along with that, the, the 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 constant pain and discomfort was this these digestive issues really went along with it. And it got so bad that uh, I really wasn't, I could list on one hand the food I could eat without having some kind of really unpleasant reaction. Even those foods I didn't do very well on. And I just started wasting away. I mean, I'm six foot three. And I think I got down to 120 pounds, something like that. So I was really, I wouldn't emaciated might be a bit far, but for someone who was trying to eat as much as possible, I was, you know, seriously wasting away. Along with that came extreme fatigue, extreme anxiety, you know, like being emotionally all over the place. Uh, as I said, constant, you know, pain. And I really wasn't able to function. And I tried all the usual kind of thing, things that I already knew to do to be healthy because I already lived from the surface, maybe not to someone as sophisticated as yourself, but to any normal person, I would seem to live an extremely healthy lifestyle. Um, and yet, you know, it wasn't working. I, as I said, I, I tried every practitioner under the sun and none of them were able to help either. And eventually I just, I realized that, you know, I was going to have to, uh, work this out for myself and the first breakthrough came through um actually doing kind of genetic testing that was where i first got maybe not all the answers but the first clues as to what might be going on and help me to you know work it out gotcha well i'm glad that you did and now you're here <laughs> to help other people uh interesting question is i, I had a, a consult with a patient the other day and she's dealing with, you know, right upper quadrant pain. And I, I was getting just sort of a background information on what she's been dealing with and what she's done. And I asked her about the genetic test and she looked at me like that was the most craziest question. Why would she want to look at genetics? What does that have to do with anything? So I guess the question would be, how did you go from learning all the things that you did with what didn't work and having to take the 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 ball in your own hands and figure this out on your own how, how did that get into the well genetics is the next option uh it's pretty random to be honest i mean you know I, I guess the kind of person who watches this kind of podcast is similar in that they become a little bit obsessed right and you know you're watching everything you can reading everything you can i'm you know i'm sure i read you know hundreds of books over the course of that year uh, literally, because I, you know, wasn't working much. I didn't have much else to do, let alone watching and listening and all the rest of it. And um, signed up for lots of people's newsletters and just got a random email and decided, you know, let's give it a go from you know a particular company. And I had never heard of it, as you said, like a lot of people hadn't. It never occurred to me, but. I'd done a lot of testing and it tends to be very expensive and inconvenient. And also you have to wait a long time to get results. And so, you know, the cost seemed reasonable. Um, and I was especially impressed that I could get results within a few hours. I was like, well, that's pretty awesome. Right. When you normally have to wait weeks. So um, I just did it. And uh, like I said, the insights came thick and fast, not just uh, about, what was going on with me at the time, but also about really things that had been 
plaguing me about the way I was and also the way I was in relation to other people my whole life. Like, um, you know, one example is I, I've, I had felt like I had always had a very low resilience to stress. Um, not necessarily that, uh, you know, like I'm not the kind of person who always avoids confrontation and stuff like that, but it's more like once I got stressed, it would take me a really, really long time to calm down. It would be very, very, um, uh, difficult. And so, I always felt very inferior to the kind of person who could, you know, get involved in some kind of conflict or confrontation or challenging situation. And then, you know, not long after a few minutes later, they're laughing and joking and all relaxed. And I'm like, Oh my God, it's going to take me days to, you know, overcome something like that. And so understanding her in that case about the compt gene and the MOEO gene, both of which I had slow and how that meant that, you know, I struggled to break down stress chemicals. And in fact, all the lifestyle things that I was doing at the time actually exacerbated that tendency. You know, I hadn't realized they were slowing down that gene even more. Um, and so that helped me to understand, first of all, you know, that I can improve my situation. But second of all, that I'm never going to be like a fast comps person. I'm never going to be that kind of person who, you know, can be in a war zone and then minutes later is relaxed and laughing and joking because that's just not me. But I do have the ability to stay focused for a long period of time in a peaceful environment, which someone with a fast comp gene would never be able to do. So seeing the kind of benefits and drawbacks was very helpful. And the other big thing was, you know, I my raw genetic data come from 2013. In 2013, I was feeling great. My wife and I both did, you know, 23andMe just to see the ancestry thing. And I didn't have any of these problems back then. So I was just blown away that I could take my data from then when I didn't have any of the problems, upload it to the system, and it tells me about all these problems I now have, but that I didn't have back then. And I was like, wow, if only I'd have known, you know, like I could have prevented all of this stuff happening in the first place, probably, or at least to a large degree. And that really made me feel like this is my mission to help other people to have that same realization, right? To help to find and address the issues they already have, but especially to help prevent the perhaps more serious ones that they could have if they uh, are not aware that they have that risk. Yeah, that's that's very interesting. I find that a lot. I wish I I always said if I had the investment dollars after you see a 23andMe commercial to find out about your ancestry and your heritage, you, you know, to have a commercial that comes on immediately afterwards and say, and once you find that out, you want to know about your potentials for um autoimmune diseases, uh, mood disorders, immunological issues, uh, you know, cardiovascular issues, behavioral issues, then you may want to use the raw data that no one ever tells you about that you can upload into a software and learn about that. So a lot of people that do the ancestry don't realize they have, they're sitting on this gold mine of information that they, they didn't have a clue that that was there. Um, and I, I was going to ask you about that because you said you could upload it when you first found it and within a couple of hours or even shorter that my thought process is, oh, you must have already had your raw data. So for people yes. that are listening to this, you, you just can't upload uh, a file if you don't have the raw data. So you have to have the actual raw data first. Um, but with that being said, how how did that I mean, ultimately, your your main concern Alwyn was your was your GI health, right? So, mm -hmm. at what point did the insight through the genetics um, give you feedback about what contributing factors the genes may have played with the GI health? 
Yeah, well, there was definitely a few different things um, that came about. One of them was, you know, toxicity. So I, I definitely had SIBO and other, you know, microbiosis. But, um, a lot, you know, as a lot of people specialize in that will tell you, you treat that and it comes right back again unless you've dealt with the underlying causes, right? So I was really looking for the underlying causes. And one of them was I have a genetic tendency to break down or detoxify process uh, mercury and lead specifically very much more slowly than the average person um, and mold as well mycotoxins was another one and I tested for those and mycotoxins were there but they were not ridiculously high mercury was okay but the level of lead in my blood was sky high um, I, at, when I first tested it, it was 27 micrograms per deciliter which you probably know is uh way higher than it should be uh the reference range like the 95th percentile was free so um and, and this is the thing and you know i went back to the normal medical doctor afterwards about this and i said could this be the cause of all my symptoms and he just shrugged and he goes no yeah, could be um and i go okay so what are you going to do about it and he said well we'll retest in a year see if it's it's like nothing at all <laughs> and to be fair to them there is not a huge amount you can do about lead from a mainstream perspective you know i read the whole world health organization report and all you can really do is reduce exposure but i hadn't had exposure for a long time you know i tested my wife as well and hers was less than one and we were drinking the same water eating the same food taking the same supplements living in the same house all the rest of it so my understanding of that is that uh lead can exist in the bones for a long time and it's like a, a slow release poison that will leach from your bones into your bloodstream and you know it could be decades i think the half-life is 20 years something like that um so it's very good to understand that and yeah of course if you have such a high i mean i had high level higher levels of lead in my blood than a lot of nutrients like selenium and manganese and all the rest of it so of course if you've got that it's going to be creating some trouble um so that was one thing uh underactive thyroid um was another thing which I had this genetic tendency towards that wasn't a huge shock either my mother uh had cancer several times and I think one of the first ones she had was thyroid cancer she had a, a whole thyroid removed and um she had all the classic hypothyroid symptoms I believe her whole life so um and and when I look back at test results I was like oh yeah look I had a TSH of 6.5 even by a normal medical perspective that's high even you know ideally you'd want it below two but certainly above four and a half is not good and so i was like oh yeah but again the doctor didn't pick up on that you know i had to <laughs> deal with that myself so i mean i could go on but that's a couple of examples um another one i guess was because there were so many different foods i couldn't eat i naturally assumed that i had food intolerances um and but yet when I did the genetic testing and came back as I basically didn't have any food intolerances genetically, according to reports, except for uh, a non-celiac gluten. That was the only one. But as I said, I could almost everything was disagreeing with me. So I thought it must be, you know, like histamine and salicylates and oxalates and all these things that are very broad. Right. But actually didn't have a problem with any of those genetically, at least. Um and then it turned out when I did blood testing for, you can't test for all those things, but for most of them, like oxalates weren't high and histamine, the Dow enzyme was fine and all this kind of stuff. So, and then the food intolerance test, I wasn't intolerant to anything according to them. And so that was actually correct. And so it turned out that the reactions were not uh, my immune system reacting, but the response of the dysbiosis, right? If you put different foods in, like for instance, FODMAPs, then 
bad organisms inside you are going to feed on them and, and create symptoms. So, yeah, I guess free examples is probably enough, but you know, it's like free examples of like helping to piece it together. Ah, okay. This is, and you know, when your lead is that high or when your thyroid is that low in its function, obviously there are in turn reasons for that being the case that, you know, I know that you specialize in, but that's a start, right? <laughs> it's like, okay, I need to get my level of heavy metals down. Okay. I need to get my thyroid functioning better. And, and, and then realizing that until you do that, nothing's going to work. You can meditate well, you can try and sleep at least eight hours a day, you can exercise every day, you can eat healthy, organic food, all the rest of it, right? And and yet, you will still have a lot of health issues when you have these underlying things. But the problem is testing for all those things would cost, uh, you probably know better than me, Dr. Joe, like thousands, tens of thousands of dollars, right, to test for every possible, you know, permutation of what could be wrong. So for me, having the genetics to give me clues as to what is worth prioritizing testing on was, you know, extremely valuable. Yeah, no, you could see the the connecting dots and the sort of the the methodology of you had already done a lot of the testing. You knew about SIBO and dysbiosis, and then what I tell people is the genetics are the blueprint, the potentials, and if you don't have the the real time quantifiable. Um, is it expressing or do you have this, then it's hard to reverse engineer and look at the genetics. So it's interesting that you had the the objective markers first, and then you went and looked at the genetics to connect the dots to see, well, I don't have a problem with this or that. So that can't be the reason for this. Um, but I do have a problem with lead. And if I'm not detoxing and I'm not able to get things out that can cause a backup and a, like a plug toilet cause things to overflow. Just as a side note, I know lead is actually multi-generational. So if mom was sick mm -hmm. and even grandma was sick, they pass that down through in utero, believe it or not. So we don't just inherit our parents' genes. We inherit our parents' environment too. So, which is really interesting. Um, but as far as, um, sometimes people will do it the other way around. Well, they'll do the genetic test and find out, oh, that raw data that I looked at my ancestry for can give me some insight and I'll look into my health. Well, just to clarify, have... I had a bit of both. I, just to clarify, I had a bit of both. Like the toxin testing I did after I saw that the genetic right, tendency, right, right, for instance. Right, yeah. right, right. Well, it kind of told you where to go, right? Yeah, so exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So I'm not saying you had it all, but you kind of went into it with, okay, I've done a lot of stuff already. Let's look mm. at the genetics and see what value they can have. And I think people have a little bit of that as well, where they do the genetic test and then they say, okay, let's, that's what I do is when I'm working with my patient, they say, this test will be more ideal based on this, based on what you already have. We know this, that, and the other may not be playing a, a major role. Um, so I think that points to the fact that it's a it's a perfect storm, isn't it? In terms of it's the genetic loads the gun and the environment um, pulls the trigger. And you can see people that have very lo loaded guns, but not a lot of environmental triggers. Or you can see a lot of people that have very little loaded guns, but a lot of environmental triggers. Um, so I guess what would you tell people that um, say that, well, how do genetics play a role because they are potentials, right? In terms of, 
you may have the potential, like if you're a slow breaker downer of these excitatory neurotransmitters, you're going to have the potential to ruminate more, be more in fight or flight when you're triggered. Um, you may, but it's not a foregone conclusion, right? We don't put mm -hmm. all our eggs in that basket. I guess the yep. question would be, do you get a lot of people that are uh, skeptical or don't understand the value of why a genetic test could be so helpful for them? Or are you yeah. seeing that more people are like, okay, I'm gung ho in this and I know the value of it? Well, I end up, you know, when I speak to people one-on-one, -on -one, it's generally to go through their reports with them. So obviously they're open enough in that case to have done that. But yeah, right. just talking to people in general, I find that people are in one of two camps, both of which are resistant to what we're talking about for very opposite reasons. Um, some people are in the camp of it is the way it is and there's nothing you can do about it. I call that like the the fate camp, right? And so they kind of believe, okay, you know, my grandfather had heart disease, my father had heart disease, I'm probably going to have heart disease and there's really nothing I can do about it. And so when you have that kind of um, perspective, uh, I would say the thing that's difficult to convince them of is that there's something you can do about it right and that's really half of you know well at least half i guess of what we do right is to say there's not just this risk there's actually something you can do about it uh the epigenetic portion of the conversation right the fact that lifestyle and environment and what you do does actually have a big impact on what is and is not expressed the other side of it though and that's often the kind of person who probably is more likely again to watch an podcasts like this in the first place or to be seeking solutions for the health in the first place is people and i used to be very firm in this camp i'll be honest joel uh, i had to you know be humbled i think by the experience that i had to, to learn this is thinking you know i'm the master of my own destiny i create my own reality i'm you know um you know the kind of personal development and like you know self-actualization kind of school where you go you know what no i'm not a victim i'm not just gonna settle for what life gives me i'm gonna create a life that i'm happy with and of course that messaging is generally great it's very empowering it helps people to break out of this rut or you know the cycle of of uh dysfunction or whatever we want to call it but when you take it too far the other way it's very easy to go you know what? no i don't want to hear about any of that i don't want to hear that anything is you know, pre-wired and destined and all the rest of it. I mean, there is extremes of that. Like I remember, you know, talking to people and saying, uh, maybe this isn't a good idea. Like, I don't know, smoking is not a good idea. And like, don't don't put that negative belief on me, man. I, I have a strong belief. I have a strong frame that, you know, tobacco is great. And and I, and I don't want to, your negativity is much worse for me than the tobacco. And it's like, mm, there's some truth to that, right? There is some truth. There are studies that are done that when people have this positive attitude, then they have a hell of a lot better outcomes with the same behavior and vice versa. There's the nocebo effect where someone can get ill from something just because they believe it's bad, even though it's not. So there's some truth to that perspective, but I feel like it, you know, it often gets taken too far and people are like, you know, I don't want to hear anything negative. I think that's probably the most common reason why people wouldn't use a service like this um who are kind of open people is just because they don't want to hear anything negative they're scared and i see this more in men than women ironically is you know they're like it's often why even when they've got an issue they don't want to go to the doctor because they're like i don't want them to tell me i've got cancer or something you know like it like so it's kind of like a magical thinking belief that so long as no one's told me i've got it i haven't got it 
like that kind of thing. And again, as I say, there's a bit of truth to it. So I think that with the genetic testing, there's a bit of, oh God, you're going to tell me I have a high risk for this and a high risk for this, and it's going to freak me out and then that's going to happen. And, you know, so that kind of magical thinking, which again, I'm not dismissing because there is evidence that it has some impact. But what I try and encourage people to realize is it's empowering to know the cards you've been dealt, the thing that you said before. And it is empowering to know, it's very empowering to know the weakest link in the chain. That's always how I like to look at it. So when we go through and, you know, we have hundreds of reports and, you know, we can sort them by risk score. And so a lot of the time we'll look at the like the highest risk score thing first. And in some cases we give people a percentage risk score and when we can, and when there's a percentage risk score, you know, sometimes people are like, you know, I'll give myself as an example. So I'm in the, I think, top one percentile of most likely to have sinus issues, sinus, irritation, infection, inflammation, whatever. Does that mean that I'm guaranteed to have sinus issues? No. But what that does mean is that if I'm not functioning pretty close to optimally, that's one of the first areas that it's going to show up in. Right. So that's all it is. And everyone has something there. And what I tell people is, you know, those people who seem to never get sick and never have any health problems, if you talk to them for five minutes and show interest, what I often observe is they have mental health issues. Right. So, no, they never get sick, but they're depressed or they're full of anxiety or, you know, they have obsessive compulsive issues or whatever it is. So everyone has something. Right. No one has been dealt a perfect genetic hand and there's no point pretending. So why not find out? And everyone has weakest links. So why not find out what your weakest links are so you can be prepared, you can do the things which are recommended personalized to your genetics that are likely, not guaranteed, but most likely to be the most helpful. And uh, then you're in a much stronger position. You know, so uh, the idea of ignorance is bliss is not accurate. You know, knowledge is power. I hope you're getting tremendous value from our content and learning how to slow your rate of aging. I have a really exciting announcement. I've just completed the complete age reversing blueprint user guide and complete with learning how to not just slow your rate of aging, learning nutritional bioenergetics, learning about circadian rhythm entrainment, the six key factors that you need to be aware of, learning how to make sure that the environment isn't accelerating your age-related biomarkers, and of course, mastering your sleep. This course is going to be retailing for $997, but as a gift for me to you for watching our content and subscribing to our channel, I'm gonna be giving this away for free, just for a limited time Whoa. only. Leave your name and email, and I'll be sure to send you the complete age-reversing blueprint user's guide right away. It's a great answer. I really like it. I I, it, I preface every consult that I do with someone as, Mrs. Jones, there's no bad news, mm. right? The sky's not falling. This isn't insurmountable because it is a very stressful situation, right? To be vulnerable to knowing what the hand you've been dealt is. And like you said, if they're listening to this podcast or they are even having the conversation with you, They've opened up their vulnerable self to this information, but at the same time, uh, there there is no bad news in the sense of knowledge is power. And this podcast is the age 
reversing blueprint. And the more you understand how your body works and what you can do from a precision point of view, instead of just throwing stuff against the wall, the more power and control you uh, empowered is the word you use, you will have with this. So I love that answer. Um, I, I do find that a lot of people, the other barrier of entry of not wanting to know what the doomsday looks like is also the concern with, well, what is the government going to do with this data, right? Mm -hmm. And so there's that concern. And I, the good thing about our uh, testing, and I'm sure it, it, there's workarounds for you as well, is the, the, the actual raw data, not through 23andMe, but the actual kit, um, they they only work with practitioners and I get the skeptical. I don't want the big brother to know about this. So what I end up doing is I have them give me a, a, a fictitious name, um, but then I have the DNA kit sent to my office and then mm -hmm. I send it to them. So there's no way for them to know that. But uh, is that something, I, I guess I'm not familiar hundred percent. You sell the actual raw data kit as well, or you only upload the, the raw data to, your site yeah we do sell the kit as well um yeah using a fake name is absolutely possible using a po box address is absolutely possible right no one's checking on that right uh, i mean my answer would be more though maybe this is skeptical i i used to be a very paranoid person i would say i when i was in my 20s i used to smoke a lot of cannabis i i i could say i was on the brink of paranoid psychosis even back then so i certainly understand the perspective of everyone who's out to get me and and also I'm not dismissing anyone who has that concern because I think especially the last few years has taught us that uh, generally the paranoid people are the wise ones. <laughs> the trusting people are the uh, uh, the people who have made the mistake. So please don't take this the wrong way. But I do believe that if someone wants to get you, they'll get you, right? That the, there's no, there's nothing that you can really do to, to guarantee like, you know, if you've ever been to a doctor and let them draw blood, they can get your DNA from that, you know, like, uh, I, yeah, I, I don't feel I, I don't feel that it's a real risk compared to the benefit that can be gained. And I think that's the main thing. Yes, there is a potential risk. Yes, it's possible that all the conspiracy theories are true and that they're going to do whatever. I won't even say it in case it gets you in trouble on your channel. Um, but the likelihood is fairly low, uh, whereas the benefit that is definite and now is to find out all this stuff about yourself and be empowered with what you can do about it. Yeah. Especially because you and I talked before we got on, on the call is that we both kind of did a pivot in terms of seeing the, uh, moving away from their problem and the bleeding neck problem to more moving towards the solution. Right. And, mm -hmm. but with the people that we work with, uh, I'm sure a great percentage, especially for me, because I tell you how in depth we get are, are unfortunately, and I mean this in a loving way, the train wrecks of the world, right? They've done so many different things. They have that perfect storm of the loaded guns and the environmental triggers. They've been to 15 different doctors. They're not getting answers. And yeah. you know what? The nothing ventured, nothing gained. If they don't get some insight with their their predispositions and how that overlaps with the um with their triggers and you know just like i'll tell patients is millions of women that have the BRCA gene don't have breast cancer and vice versa millions of women that do um have the um 
breast cancer don't have the, the BRCA gene or, you know, vice versa. You can have the BRCA gene and not get it, or you can not have the BRCA gene and get it, right? Or have the BRCA. Anyways, you understand what I'm saying. So sure. it's the epigenetic overlapping perfect storm. So um, as far as 250 reports, I, I mean, I'm really intrigued about that because your service is a little different than mine in terms of if someone wants to see their risk of this, that, and the other, or, you, you know, what they're, maybe give us an idea of what are the most common reports that people order, what it actually means to have this personalized risk score. Yeah, absolutely. Um I think we need to update that. I'm not sure where you saw it. I think we're over 350 now. It's a vast amount. Um, yeah, so we have a few different categories. So uh, one of the things that I've kind of done, we do have a limitless package where people can get all of them. But one of the things that I really wanted to do is kind of the opposite end of the scale from what you do, Joe. I know that yours are very in-depth. And as you say, they require a practitioner to, to, you know, you need a practitioner to go through. And I think that is fantastic. Um, and I can't wait to do your one. Um, this is more the other side for people who are more dabbling, who are just interested and open and want to start. So, you know, we have collections for all kinds of different, you know, specific outcomes, you want to find out about allergies and intolerances. You want to find out about blood sugar, brain health, cardiovascular health, digestive health, emotional health, uh, you know, skin and beauty, immune system, energy, you know, etc. I won't list all of them, but you get the idea. So there's kind of like, if you're interested in a specific outcome, I just want to lose weight. I just want to get more hormones into balance. I just want to, you know, whatever then we have a collection for that. So within that collection, we'll have kind of different categories of types of reports. So the, most prolific type of report we have is simply health risk. So pretty much anything you can think of from major issues like cardiovascular health to, you know, very minor thing, maybe not minor, but I guess niche things like hair loss or chance of getting kidney stones. You know, I mentioned sinus issues, like all that kind of thing. Uh, stretch marks, <laughs> graying hair. I'm just looking at the beauty report right now. Um, you know, we have a re report on that. One of the things that's different from our service from a lot of other people's is that if you are not interested at all in genetics and you only want information about what your risk is and what you can do about it, our reports are tailored for that. So uh, you can go through, you can go, okay, what's my risk of having an issue of this genetically? And what are the recommendations that are more likely to help in order of how much they'll help me? based on my genetics. There is a page where we list all the SNPs, all the genes and all the uh, uh, variants that you have, but someone could just scroll past that if they're not interested in that and go straight to the, the, you know, the practical stuff. So is it as good as having a practitioner go through it with you and giving you guidance on it? Probably not, to be honest, but it's much more accessible for people and also just cheaper, to be honest, from, you know, that perspective as well. Um, yeah. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Your... So yeah, just a quickly. So then the, the types of reports, number one is health risks. Number two, uh, I would say is health types. So this is not where it's necessarily a risk, but uh, like for instance, the carbohydrate report is very popular. You know, some people do very well with low carbohydrate because they have more hunter-gatherer genes. Some people do very well with high carbohydrate because they have more farmer genes. And some people are kind of in the middle. So I call that health type report. We have toxin reports, not too many of those, but I gave examples like lead and mercury. There are certain toxins that people have an issue with. There are allergy intolerance and sensitivity reports. So that will tell you, you know, your chance of having um, each of those. I think we have a few dozen of those. So you know, we have the obvious ones like gluten and lactose and all the rest, but we also have more 
interesting ones, I'd say, like histamine and oxalates and all of that kind of stuff. Um, uh, and we also have nutrient ones. So again, we have about 60, I think, reports in that area. So every vitamin, every important mineral, uh, every important amino acid, every important types of fat, you know, GLA, ALA, DHA, EPA, et cetera. So rather than um, what is much more common, I think, which is to have like one report that tells you, you know, this is what you should be doing. This is more for people who are interested in just breaking it down into little pieces. And so, for instance, just with the nutrient needs, you can go through and go, okay, so here are the nutrients that I need more of. You know, for me, it's this, 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 whatever. And I can focus on that. Or maybe I'll just focus on one at a time, right? Like today, I'll do the top one, which for me is magnesium. Yeah, next week, I'll look again. Okay, maybe I'll try adding more K2 as well, as it says that. So yeah, it's it's more a la carte um, and more kind of practical, I would say, than a lot of what other people have. But as I said, everyone is different as to you know what they prefer. That's that's how we do it. Um, and within the recommendations, we offer like a score for uh, research support and a score for impact. So meaning, generally, the highest re re recommended ones are the ones that have been shown with evidence to have the most impact and the most research behind them. Um, and then, you know, as you go down, that's that's less and less. So you can have an idea um, how impactful it's likely to be, you know. So, you know, when it comes to losing weight, obviously, uh, you know, the way the amount that you move and the amount of calories you consume and the type of calories you consume are significant ones, right? Maybe much, much, much lower on the list might be some kind of herb, <laughs> right? Or some kind of supplement. And that will have a score of one out of five, right? It may be useful for your specific DNA, but it's not going to make as big a difference as that. So they're also kind of organized in priority of most research for those who care about that. They're organized in priority of most impact for those who care about that. And then they're organized in terms of how likely they are to help you based on the SNPs that you have. Yeah, no, I, I don't think it's better or worse. I, I, you know, I think that there's, there's magic in simplicity and there's a lot of times when there is no way for me to make a complex subject easy. Right. And, and I know when I'm talking to someone over the course of doing eight to 10 hours a day interpretations, five to six days a week for the last five to seven years, how deep an understanding I have. But this is brand new information for them. And I know when I've had that fire hose coming out of the nose and the ears and the eyeballs that it's too much already. Right. And um, so it, it's really important to uh, just give them the most impactful information. And I'm a big believer of tailoring down even the information I have in sort of the way that your reports are generated, if you will. Um, and at the same time, I think if you are the type of, I, I don't see those patients anymore. Right. I don't see the easy ones like, OK, all you need to do is remove gluten and help clear out your excitatory neurotransmitters a little bit better and, you know, be aware of carbs versus fats. Um, I, I have more of that perfect storm. They've done so many different things. They have people just, like me. <laughs> well, well, just sort of to, you know, open the conversation I offered. And I think we'll we'll just sort of give a prelude is that I'd be excited to upload your raw data into our software and then do a podcast on your podcast to review that. And then yeah, maybe have awesome. uh, the uh, ability to upload my raw data into yours and then, you know, see what some of the um, just the health risk reports look like from that side of you. Mm -hmm. um, 
as far as now that you do this, um, and where does longevity, if you will, and age slowing or age reversing, where, where does that fit into all of this? Um, so I would say uh, they're, what's the word? The, they are parallel paths, but they're not exactly the same. So Genetic Insights is not exclusively focused on reducing premature aging. That's why I have kind of two brands, right? Reducing premature aging is my passion. Helping people to understand how their genetics impact their health and well-being is my other passion. So they're kind of uh, uh, side by side. Now, of course, some of the genetic reports um, will be helpful with that for the same reason that you know that we just talked about right there are all kinds of factors that lead to premature aging which i'm sure you know you've talked about uh, at length and i have too and many of those will show up um in the genetic reports uh, in my system as it will in yours but yeah it's not the exclusive focus of genetic insights for me i it is a, a a big focus because i really feel you know, uh, one of my brands, as you mentioned before, is called Feel Younger. I really believe that how you feel is the most important thing of all. And it's interesting because I come from a perspective of being someone who's very intellectual, being very in their heads, probably who used to dismiss the value of feelings a little bit too much. And I do believe that probably led to my health problems to some degree. Uh, I do feel like unacknowledged, repressed feelings over the course of long periods of time often do lead to health problems either directly through patterns of uh chronic muscular tension and stuff like that which you know i'm sure uh, you've talked about and also indirectly you know for instance if someone avoids movement if someone avoids strenuous movement because it starts making feelings come up then that's going to create problems for them you know i i do believe one of the reasons people don't exercise not because they're lazy i think the idea that <clears throat> I don't exercise or I don't exercise enough because I'm lacking discipline is absurd. It, to me, that's like saying I don't eat, you know, I'm too lazy to eat. Who, you know, who's too lazy to eat? Like to me, moving is as intrinsic to uh, health and vitality and aliveness as eating. They're both enjoyable um, experiences, Ex unless <laughs> we have a lot of repressed emotions because you know, like Tony Robbins teaches, sorry to quote him, but, you know, emotion comes from motion. When we move, we start feeling stuff more. And I think that's one of the reasons people don't move. I think one of the reasons people overeat and eat bad foods is, again, to suppress feelings, right? So anyway, whether it's directly or indirectly, I think how we feel has a huge impact on our health. And so my goal is really to help people to feel better. I, I feel like most of the problems of the world would not be the case whether we talk about the the evil or ignorance or whatever we want to call it that leads to you know violence that leads to pollution that leads to whatever all the problems of the world that we that we could probably all agree are not good i think if people just felt better then most of that would not happen and i also but i don't teach like you should ignore painful feelings my understanding is Painful feelings are good. They're there to teach you something, you know? Things like shame and guilt, for instance, if you take that away from someone, you're left with a psychopath. They're the people who are doing the most violence and the most pollution and all the rest of it. That's not a good thing. So I'm not saying we should never feel difficult emotions or whatever. That's not it. But what I am saying is we should not repress our emotions. We should let feelings come up when we have them. Shame teaches us, oh, maybe I should stop doing that, you know? 
guilt teaches us I'm, I should make up for doing that, you know, or whatever. Anger teaches us um, I need to uh, assert myself more. I need to assert my boundaries more. Like fear teaches us, oh, I better be present and pay attention. There's something dangerous going on. Every feeling has value. But I believe that once we stop repressing those feelings, and once we resolve underlying issues with, you know, cellular energy production, hormonal imbalances, uh, and all the rest of it, nutritional issues, then we can start just feeling happy most of the time. And when you start feeling happy and joyful, and when you, like, a, a lot of people say they're happy, but it's a very much a, what's the word, an abstract concept. To me, happiness is when you're aware of your body and your body is like radiating positive feelings you know like you're you're feeling joy you're feeling uh stuff uh you know those kind of feelings you're feeling love you're feeling peace or whatever so when you're feeling that in your body i believe and when you're feeling just pleasure you know like just tuning into your body like it shouldn't your body shouldn't be a source of pain as mine became your body should actually be a source of pleasure you should be getting pleasurable signals from your body most of the time if you're in a state of genuine health not a state of pain like the majority of people are in over the age of 40 and not a stage of deadness and disassociation either, which is what a lot of people are in as well, which I was in for you know a lot of my earlier life, I believe. Um, but actually pleasure. And so if you can't tune into your body and feel these kind of pleasurable feelings, then I feel you still have work to do. So yeah, to me, getting people to that point, whatever it whatever it involves, right? Whether it's meditation, whether it's religion, whether it's health, whether it's chiropractic, whether it's genetic evaluations, you know, whatever it takes to get to that point where you actually just feel great in your body, you're going to treat yourself better, you're going to treat everyone around you better, you're going to, you know, care for your environment better, like all of it, you're going to more likely to do what you've been put on this earth to do, or if you don't believe in that, you're more likely to do that, which is beneficial for you and everyone else, like, everything comes down to fundamentally uh, feeling better. And so to me, the genetics are a tool for that because it's understanding my path to feeling joy and, and spreading that is going to be different from your path, right? For instance, we used the Compt example earlier. For someone with fast Compt, they're more likely to feel joy in a chaotic environment. For someone with the slow comp, they're more likely to feel joy in a fairly peaceful, harmonious environment, right? So it's like, it's, this is one example from what we used earlier, but, I, you know, and there's so many more examples like that. So to me, they're kind of pieces in the puzzle to ultimately feel in a state where we just genuinely enjoy life. We enjoy being in a body. We're not escaping into our mind or escaping into addictions or escaping into fantasy or compulsions or whatever. We're just We're just enjoying being alive. Yeah, I like that answer. It's, you know, it, the people that are listening to this podcast that are going down the rabbit holes and, and, and having to figure it out on their own and in their journey and their suffering, they realize, wow, this stuff is fascinating. There is the slippery slope of getting caught in the weeds and not mm. seeing the forest through the trees, right? And ultimately, it comes down to their why. I, I remember having a, a patient who was just, you know, she was so, so, you know, stumbling through all her notes and I had her look up and I said, if you had great health, what would you be doing differently? And she looked at me like that was the most absurd <laughs> question that like, that's not in here. You know, I, I can't see that in my blood work. 
And I like, seriously, like if I gave you permission to be able to do whatever you wanted and you didn't have to wait for things to be perfect, like we don't go to the airport and like, okay, you know what? I think I'll go on this plane and I'll think I'll go to this city and I'll think I'll stay at this hotel and I'll think I'll have these five different things to do in five different, we plan that, right? And we don't do that for our health and we don't need to be perfectly ready to go on that trip to start doing the intel, Right. We, we, we do it a lot earlier, but we don't do that with our health. And I think it comes down to maybe with feeling younger. It's about why. Why do you want that information? Um, what are you going to yeah. do with it and what is it going to give you? What value is it going to give you? And I, I think that's a really good point. Um, just sort of imparting, um, Alan, what for you? was the most insightful you had no clue about your own genes i know you'll have more insight when i do a review for you um but what was the most insight i'll share with you after what mine was but what was the most insightful oh i had no idea that this was a thing for me um so not something that explains something i knew but like something that i'd never even thought of you're saying yeah, like if you when you did these reports and you saw that you have this personalized risk score in this area that was completely out of left field and it made a lot of sense in terms of connecting the dots as to why you were this way or that way. Well, on a on a practical level, probably the leads. I mean, on a more if you're talking about like personality, psychological, from from a, from a sort of a genetic susceptibility, like these are some of your weak links in the chain. Yeah, uh, definitely the leads. I mean, that was crazy, you know, to have it, uh, be so high when I hadn't had any exposure in over a decade. Yeah, I mean, that. But, but the lead was more of a objective finding. So the genetics were more of you're a poor detoxer. So yeah. it was being a poor detoxer. That was the surprise to you. Uh, yes, I didn't realize that 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 was so strong genetically. Absolutely. Right. Right. Yeah. Just for clarity, because when you do a raw data test and your kit and you upload it and get the report, it won't tell you what your lead levels are. Well, it, it will only tell you that you have a potential. Yeah, yeah that's right. what I meant. What I meant is that I was right. a poor detoxer of lead specifically. Right. right. Because I didn't have that with uh, the other two heavy metals, cadmium and uh, can't remember the other one. But yeah, so, Arsene, you know, it's spe right. specific heavy metals that I was poor at detoxifying. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So that makes sense. So just so people realize when you do a raw data test, it tells you how your genes code for enzymes and how those enzymes help to support function. And it doesn't mean that it's a hundred percent playing out, but if the wrong environmental triggers pull on those weak links, they're more sure to break and express. And when you do a lead test that sees it's off the charts, and then you reverse engineer and look at your DNA and say, oh my gosh, I'm weak in this ability to detox lead, then the two are equaling up and that's giving you a direct uh, expression of that gene and a, a direct game plan to address that. So what did you do to, to detox the lead? Yeah, and sorry, just to say, a more relatable one is mold, right? You have two people in a house. One of them is definitely sick. One of them's totally fine. And then you see that one has the gene to break down those mycotoxins and one of them doesn't. Because, you know, you look up at mycotoxins and it's kind of the trend at the moment, right? In the functional medicine world, everyone's got mycotoxin toxicity. And, I mean, they are horrifically toxic. It is true. And yet, nonetheless, you know, you have a lot of people who are breathing in all day who are totally fine. So it just shows the massive impact that genes have, as you just said. 
you either have that enzyme that's quick at breaking that down or you don't it's as simple as that yeah uh, <laughs> yeah sorry what was your oh no no that was answering it so mine was i had no idea but i was always like a nervous nelly kid an anxious mm. kid and i remember we would go on soccer tournaments to i grew up in toronto canada and we would go to the u.s and we would go through the border and i would be like a 12 year old kid nervous as if i was smuggling drugs across the border you know i was always anxious and always before a track meet, I, I couldn't get off the bus because my palms were sweating and I got so nervous be before the actual race started. And I realized that one of my major potentials is the production of overproduction of glutamate and the under clearance of glutamate. And, and that can really create those ruminating thoughts and the not turning your mind off and being very, very anxious and what was very empowering is inflammation itself will slow down that GAD enzyme, which I was very weak on. So I couldn't clear glutamate into GABA. But even worse is the DAO gene inside the brain, not to be confused with the, you know, the AVP1 or the DAO enzyme in the GI tract that produces glutamate in the brain. Um, is is overproducing. So on the one hand, I was overproducing glutamate. On the other hand, I was under clearing it. And unfortunately, when the environment has these MSG, very rapidly rising glutamate preservatives and artificial foods and addictive things like these companies, especially in the US know that, okay, we can make it cheaply, we can make it taste good, and we can make it addictive, you're getting massive rising of glutamate on top of your potentials. And it creates that perfect storm. So having the genetic insight to know, okay, I got to go out of my way to avoid this. But I also have to reduce inflammation and then magnesium and B6 and other things that can help speed up that enzyme is what will help me deal with that and knowing it is powerful. So, um, yes. Ellen, thank you so much for your time. Anything that I didn't uh, mention or um, you wanted to sort of give some insight to our listeners to? Uh, yeah, I, now I understand what you mean with the question. I, uh, if you don't mind, I'll just give a different answer. And it was actually that Compt gene. And so what I realized, as you're probably aware, is that uh plant compounds specifically flavonoids will actually slow down comp more right whereas methyl groups will speed it up so i realized my diet for a very long time had been extremely high in flavonoids because i was eating like a very large amounts of plant foods and extremely low in methyl groups no pretty much no creatine no choline you know low b12 and all the rest of it so i completely switched my diet and supplementation away from flavonoids and towards methyl groups and as a result of that like that com gene got a lot better that you know intense anxiety that i felt at that time a few years ago you know massively went down and i would say now not only am i better than i was you know during that horrible phase obviously but i've actually better than i've been my whole life and that was only as a result of that insight and i i was raised as a vegetarian so i never had you know like choline and stuff like that like my whole life so yeah that was probably the biggest one from that perspective that's probably a better example than the leg yeah, one because there's not a lot you can do about it <laughs> yeah that's that right that's a good example for sure <laughs> Um, so the, you were kind enough to extend to the listener, um, a 25% off discount. And you told me that the discount code would be Dr. Joel 25. So what I'll Absolutely. do is I'll put the link in our show notes so that people can
can, if they have raw data, they can upload it and pick what report they want. Or if they don't have the raw data and they want to get the reports, they can do that. And then this will be to be continued so that we can do a reading online or on, on the air for your genes and continue the discussion. But uh, I thank you so much for your time. And where can people find you online? Uh, yeah, if you go to geneticinsights.co, not com.co co um that's uh you can uh redeem that coupon code there there's also feel younger and please check out my youtube channel uh youtube.com slash elwin robinson right perfect well thank you so much for your time and uh, i look forward to be continued for for next time hi thank you so much for watching our age reversing blueprint podcast if you've made it this far we sincerely thank you for your attention and your interest in reversing your age if you're looking to get more information on today's topic or other podcasts that we've had, be sure to check out the show notes and be sure to check out drjoelrosen.com. Have an awesome day.